What's up, everyone? Happy week eight in the NFL. It's Chris and Ash. It's Honorado and Miller. The NBA is underway. We are on the verge of the World Series. If you're watching us live on a Thursday night across News Channel 13's Facebook, YouTube, and X, we've yet to play game one. <laughs> if you're catching us over the weekend on TV, uh, we are uh, one game into this thing so far and uh, will be the lowest rated World Series in history. We'll Maybe. see. Look back on recent World Series matchups and tell you how bad that was. I don't think it will be, and I'll explain why. We've got three guys in the NBA now with Capital Region ties. We talked about it all summer long because of the Summer League, but now Kevin Herter, Andre Jackson Jr., and Jalen Pickett are all in action in the NBA. Major contract extensions in the NBA. Already guys talked about being traded, and they haven't even played a game yet. Talking nope. about Joel Embiid. And we are jumping ahead a week a little bit. We're looking ahead to the Breeders' Cup Classic with Ed Rusty Skeels, a 91-year-old man who first went to a racetrack at two years old in 1935. Can't wait to talk with him uh, about how he sees the Breeders' Cup shaping up. we got a lot to do, Ash. He knows a lot, man. He's a... Like we said, he's going to educate us, but cool guy and yep. and just super sharp. Knows more about horse racing than I could ever. I've probably, you know, forgotten it all. We've got the Marcellus Appliance MVP of the month to hand out and our performance industrial dirty difficult done those week eight picks as well. It was ugly Ooh. last week. Let's go. This is Honorado and Miller, sponsored by Alpen House. All right, Ash, boy, where to start uh, with this show? We're going to kind of jump around a bunch of different places. Let's, let's start with the NFL because mm -hmm. it is always king. The trade deadline is coming up. Uh, and we've got some teams to try to figure out, and that'll be my dirty difficult done, is uh, I don't know what to make of yeah. a couple of teams that are over 500 and have looked really impressive at times, and then they absolutely put up some stinkers. But let me ask this question first, just to kind of get us going here. Should the Giants trade Saquon Barkley ahead of the Halloween deadline in the NFL? I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm Remember, he's on that one-year contract. Yep. Um, they tagged him. He didn't like it. They worked out a deal where he's making just a shade over 10 million sure. this season. So, I mean, I guess, I guess ultimately you shop him. You try to shop him and you see what you get, mm -hmm. because if you get some unbelievable deal, which I don't think you're going to, uh, then maybe you do it. But from the giants perspective, I say no. Yeah. Well, okay. Sam and Ash play it out for me then. What would it take? For the Giants to trade Barkley. If you say it depends on what they can get for him, I hear you. Yes. If if somebody said, hey, you know, we're, we'll give you, you know, Christian McCaffrey, then. Well, you, so what, what would it take? Uh, you have to address needs. Listen, they need offensive linemen like nobody's business. Um, so I think I think even if you can get pieces that are just on a little bit of a longer term deal, draft picks are always good. Um, you're not going to get a high round draft pick. For him, but I think if you can get players who can play now that are going to address needs, but so that you you're want not 
guys. You're not going to lose, but you're not going to lose them after this year. Like I'm not trading a year of Saquon for a year of an alignment and a, a D back. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want that. Um, so I, I think if you're, you're looking at someone who from a lineman position needs to be somebody I have for like three years. Here's the problem. Barkley is only going to go to a contender. Mm-hmm. A contender and, is not going to trade you a starting no. offensive and, lineman. No. And how many contenders need Saquon Barkley? Well, Baltimore is an interesting team mm-hmm. because of the injury to JK Dobbins. If they were to add Saquon Barkley, it feels like the Ravens become a serious contender. Yeah, but then you talk draft capital. That if you well, don't yeah, have only. someone who can, you know, you're not going to trade away a piece to a, no, a potential contender, yeah. then you then you trade draft capital. And that's that's fine too if you don't think realistically you may not sign him back again after all the stuff that you went through last offseason and trying to get him to sign the contract, the one-year deal that he's currently on. Hmm. Are you not hmm. going to do it again anyway? Then okay, who cares? Sam's watching. Good to have you back this week, Ash. Uh, you were here last week. We were just at Novice. But oh, yeah. Sam's remembering a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and that's okay. He's got a good, good long-term memory. Uh, Carol, good evening to you as well. Um, and Sam points out that maybe the Ravens will go after a guy like Derrick Henry. Maybe. Uh, the Titans are kind of interesting here. They've already traded Kevin Byard, the really good safety yeah. to Philadelphia. Um, do they continue kind of a little bit of a fire sale? Is there, is there a market out there for Ryan Tannehill? Um, and do they move him? Would they, my goodness, yeah. would they trade Derrick Henry? Uh, then you're giving up. Well, yeah, and that's okay. You, you, you reboot the whole thing because you're either going to play a rookie quarterback in Will Levis yep. or a second year guy in Malik Willis. Yep. So you can reboot the whole thing. I just feel like if you want to try to give your rookie quarterback any chance, you give him yeah. a really good running back or a stud receiver. The Titans don't have a stud receiver. They had one, A.J. Brown, yep, and now he's gone. So yep. on the Barkley thing here, I don't think the Giants will trade him, but I think they should because I just don't see them winning even next year. Right. Last well, year we feels – We thought last year they were – I know. Last year feels like a one-off mm. for this team. You're not high on Daniel Jones. No, well, I never. He's have the been. starting quarterback next year. I, I don't know. I mean, is this team good enough to win a division next year? Philadelphia is a world beater. It feels like a reboot for New York. I don't know if Philadelphia is a world beater, but six and one. They had won like twelve straight regular yeah. season games before that loss. I don't know. To me, right now, they're the clear best team in the NFC. Yeah, yeah I think it just depends on what you can get. Okay. All right, so maybe not a should, but a but a might. But uh, yeah, I, I think should try, should shop. But yeah, I don't know that you pull the trigger depending on what you get. I just said I think Philadelphia is the best team in the NFC. <laughs> Last week, I think I said the Niners are the best team in the NFL, and then go back two weeks from that, and I said maybe the, the Bills Lions. are the best we, team in the NFL. We we've talked Lions. Certainly talked about the Lions every time. We declare a team the best team in the NFL the yep. next week they lose. And not like it was the Eagles and the Niners both lost on the same week. I think we talked about the Lions. Mm-hmm. They got blown out in Baltimore. We talked about the Bills. They, they were terrible. They in couldn't London. figure it out. Like we've what's the curse of the O and M. No, no. I I this is I've said this for years. As soon as you think you you know as something. soon as you think you know something about the NFL, it proves you wrong. Sure. It's wild to me. Um, what do we think we know going into week eight? 
that that Baltimore has found itself and is is a top tier team in the AFC. Watch, they won't play. They won't right. play well now. Right. Um, we are down on Buffalo. They will blow out Tampa. By the way, quickly, just get this out of the way. Buffalo is going to blow the Bucks out tonight. Home game at night, coming off a couple of bad performances. I think Josh Allen has a big game. Bills will score. It's nice out. At least twenty-eight <laughs> points. Allen will go close to three hundred yards, if mm. not more, uh, and they will cover the number, which is like eight and a half. So I'm big on Buffalo tonight, and that's it's just my thing. Is it's like the NFL's pendulum mm-hmm. swings, swings literally week. I mean, two weeks and swings wildly. Aside from Kansas City, yep. This pendulum swings week to week. Yeah, for every single team. And, and, and as for your question that you threw up okay, here, yeah, I don't know that the NFL has figured out Brock Purdy mm-hmm. as much as, listen, you go through injuries. McCaffrey was injured, not this past week when they lost the week before that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're dinged up, but also I just think, and Dan Orlovsky may have said this uh, after their second straight loss, which the second one was to the Vikings, that for a while Brock Purdy was allowed to make mistakes and they were letting him play freely because it was working because the rest of his team was playing at an elite level. So him being able to play freely and not worry about interceptions and and not worry about taking risks was a good thing, but now his team is not playing at an elite level. So every mistake is amplified Mm. and now people Mm. are looking more at Brock Purdy and how his play is affecting. So it's an interesting thing because he's right. His teammates have not played as well and it's then affected how we view Brock Purdy and maybe how well he's played or hasn't played. Okay. I think, um, I don't think this, uh, I'm with you. I don't think this is so much the NFL figuring Mm -hmm. out Brock Purdy. I think this is Brock Purdy coming back to earth a little bit. Brock Purdy is not going to be Tom. So all the people who are like, well, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick and Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy was a seventh. It can be done. Yes, it can be, but it's already been done. It's not going to be done again. No, Purdy is a good quarterback. He's not even a very good quarterback. Now to Orlovsky's point, you know, I love me some Dan Orlovsky to his point about making mistakes last week against the Vikings was the first time Purdy had thrown two interceptions mm-hmm. in a single game. Yeah. So he wasn't making game changing no. mistakes. He no. may have missed a throw here or there, but it wasn't like, Oh, we're not going to be able to overcome that from Purdy. He was so steady and consistent. And on right. top of that accurate. Um, but when your team is playing as well as they were, you but, don't worry about making but like doesn't you worry about making that mistake late against the Vikings because you're trying to put together a game winning drive. Okay. I, I just think like when your team is playing as well as it is and you're playing free and easy, maybe that's the style that he needs to play versus like just clutching the ball a little tighter, maybe. But the Vikings only scored 22 points. I know. Don't you think? Uh, here's what I think on that, too. I think the Niners were playing so well because Purdy was playing so well. <laughs> The defense didn't give up 35, and it's like they asked Purdy to do otherworldly things. Um, McCaffrey was certainly healthy enough. He scored two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. They didn't have Debo, but everybody else was on the field. Like I think think Purdy isn't getting enough credit for the success the Niners have had in the last year. I don't disagree. So, But he's surrounded by arguably— He's just struggled a little bit here. Look, the numbers are 12 of 27. 21 to 30, pretty darn good, but yeah, three interceptions in the last two games and not a ton of yardage. So, but mo- I bet how many quarterbacks have thrown three interceptions in their last two games? Probably almost every quarterback in the league. 
Probably almost every single one of them. Okay. All right. So I don't know. I just so think we're both like, saying no, but for, to the question, but for different reasons. Yeah, I think yeah. no, but I, I do think when you are breaking down the positions around him, like mm-hmm. Debo Samuel is arguably, maybe he's not, he's not the best receiver in the league, but he's the no. best utility player, Swiss Army knife type player the in the league. He's Niners' best receiver. He's, Christian McCaffrey is one of the best running backs and especially pass catching running backs in the league. Like he has, and, and obviously their defense is great. He has a lot of things around him that make his job a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Like a lot no of doubt. players would, a lot of quarterbacks would say, yes, yeah, sign me up. I'll play for the Niners. Yep. Um, so that, I think and he that's has where... maybe the best offensive play caller mm-hmm. in all of football and Kyle yeah. Shanahan. Yeah. The defense is phenomenal. It, it, I just am curious at five and two, is this a bump for the Niners or is it a little bit of a detour? That's that's kind of what I'm thinking here with Purdy and the Niners because I uh, look I've already said it weeks before oh they're the best team in the NFL right and now. now I'm and now I'm thinking at five and two maybe they're markedly behind Philadelphia mm-hmm. which got a really nice win against Miami yeah so Philly's your best team in the NFL right now <laughs> does it matter what I say no, anymore well it doesn't no. matter what any of us because say. I'll come that back on matter. here next week and say well I was wrong last week I thought it was the Eagles and actually it turns out to be the uh, I don't even, there isn't even a good yeah, contender. Yeah, I think it, it's the Eagles and the Chiefs. <laughs> Detroit. I've been it's, on Detroit it's before. the Eagles and the Chiefs, yeah. but yeah. Um, are you buying, are you buying that there's anything behind Travis Kelsey's performances with Taylor Swift in the building compared to her not in the building? I mean, no. The when, same- when she isn't at a game, he's averaging like 40 something receiving yards a well, game. Yeah, when. No, like 40 for the game. Oh, okay. When she's in the building, he's over, he's 100. over 100. Yeah, okay. So 60 fewer. Uh, I, I'm not buying it, but the sample size is very, very small. Because you're only talking this season. Four games? I yeah. think. Are we talking four, four games, games she's been at and probably three she hasn't. So it's a small sample size. But maybe... I'm buying it. Maybe he loves the, the idea of the pressure of his... Have you rich, famous girlfriend sitting up in the box with all the cameras on him and everybody's like, oh, Taylor Swift. Maybe he, he loves it. Okay. This goes for the boys and girls. Go back to when you were in recess. <laughs> and you wanted to light and it up for the girl watching you. Your girl you were trying to impress was watching you play kickball, whatever it was. You know you played better. You were super motivated to play. That's exactly what's happening with Travis Kelsey. Yes. Yes, Sam. Go back to recess. I'm telling you, this is exactly what is happening with Travis Kelsey. And if we know anything about Travis Kelsey, he probably hasn't matured much beyond Uh, the age of... No, he's still playing recess. Like, he's still at recess. So he is definitely like, hey, the girl I really like is watching. She's here. If I play well, maybe she'll kiss me on the cheek like that picture we saw. <laughs> he is he is one hundred percent more motivated with her in the building. <laughs> I am I'm buying in absolutely. Okay, I mean I buy that. It's just a small sample size okay. for me. I would take a quick break here on Honorado and Miller. Still a lot to get to here. Breeders' Cup breakdown with uh, that on NBC and Peacock next Friday and Saturday. We're, we got to get to the NBA for sure now with that season going. Kevin Herter and the Kings, Andre Jackson Jr. and the Bucks. Really interesting look in Milwaukee now with Damian yep. Willard. Is that team built to win a title in Andre's first year? Um, 
and the trade wins already in Philadelphia. <laughs> they have to deal one of the guys. It's got to be Harden or Embiid because there's no way they're going to coexist together. We're back right after this on our Honor Auto Mill. Fall in love with camping all over again at Alpenhaus RV. As another season comes to a close, we look back on a summer of sunsets, late night campfires, and countless memories. Extend the excitement with a new summer retreat for you and your family. All month long, find amazing deals on new and pre-owned RVs from the nation's top brands. Like this 2024 Coachman Catalina for $162 a month. Or this 2024 Keystone Cougar for $387 a month. Visit us in Amsterdam or Saratoga or online at alpenhouserv.com. Alpenhouse, your total camping outfitter. And now, back to Honorado and Miller. Sponsored by Alpenhouse. Back on Honorado and Miller here. All right, Ash, we do this at the end of the month, every month, and there's one guy who has absolutely blown us away in the month of October. It's time for the MVP of the month, sponsored by Marcella's Appliance Center. And our people at Marcella's, Johnny Marcella, Nick Matalone, our Marcella's Appliance MVP of the month goes to who else? Now, this was, it felt like a slam dunk. I like to say Adolis Garcia. Most people say Adolis Garcia. Either way, he's tearing it up. How do you, how do you like to say it? Well, if I'm going with a Spanish pronunciation, I would probably say Adolis like you. Yeah. Um, or at least Adolis, like, yeah. you know. Everybody but, goes Adolis Garcia. And that's yeah, fine. that's the American way to he, say it, probably. He doesn't care what you call him. He no. doesn't care if you throw at him. He, He's just going to continue to hit home runs. Sure. You're going to call him the four straight games of the home series run. MVP. That's all he cares about. 15 RBIs, as Ash said, in the ALCS. That is a postseason record for any series. And he's hitting 327. He has been a monster all year long. He led the AL in RBIs for most of the season until Kyle Tucker caught him and passed him. Mm -hmm. um, but he has been the middle of that Rangers lineup. This I I know, and I'll and we'll get to the the matchup and the ratings and all that in a second. I think it's going to be a highly entertaining series. And this guy is just a lot of fun to watch. Did anybody before 2023 know this guy's name? Uh before 2023, yeah, probably, but not many. Yeah. But he also plays a good outfield. Yeah. Like, the dude's yeah. not a bad outfielder, and I think he's going to rub some people the wrong way. No doubt. But he he enjoys playing the game. It's very clear that he loves the game of baseball. Um, and and I thought it was fun. I, I thought the you, – you know me. I love the back and forth, like, just tit for tat of, of the celebrating mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff we saw – his monstrosity of a home run, like he literally walked the first baseline and then like spiked his bat. And we were like, whoa, 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 what happened here? But then we saw all the prior stuff leading up to yeah. it and then him getting hit by a pitch and benches clearing, people getting thrown out of a baseball playoff game. I don't know the last time that I that I remember anyone getting ejected from a real playoff baseball game because you just, the stakes are too high. You don't do it. And yet, multiple you get D Dusty Baker getting thrown out. Like it was, uh, it was fun, and he revolved. It, it all centered around him. Did we say hello to Carol yet? Did we? Yeah, say we did. Okay. Well, hello again, Carol. <laughs> um, speaking of Dusty, he is retired. Yep. Seventy-four years old. He gets his World Series last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, he he went on a high note. But well, not the highest. Well, highest I know. I, I mean, I mean, in terms of being thrown out of a a game. 
in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Sam likes the Rangers in six. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I like look, they're going to be people who feel this way. You said it. He's going to rub people the wrong way. We're talking about Garcia. Garcia plays. You know, it's funny. I, I was going to default to the lazy comparison, but, I, but I, I won't here. I'll use it, and then I'll contradict myself. Garcia plays with the same flair that you see a lot of Latin players play with yes. Cuban, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, listen, you see a lot of this stuff from Ronald Acuna. Bryce Harper plays with the same type of emotion. Yeah. And Pat, like... That dude can bat flip yeah. with the best of them. Yeah, I always he is out of the he's out of the dugout, out of the dugout, as if he had a little league teammate that just hit a home run. Harper is out of the dugout onto the field celebrating when one of his guys hits a home run. So Harper plays with as much in your face flair mm-hmm. as any of these Latin guys or Cuban guys are right, because it's kind of yeah. in their blood, we always say, mm-hmm. but 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 it's it's across Major League Baseball now, and I love that. Yeah, me too. Uh, do you think it's a double standard? And, and I only ask you this because I think, and, and listen, Sam says too much of a hot dog, so he's going across the board no matter if you're a Latin player, if yeah, you're yep. a Bryce Harper. Yep. I feel like Bryce Harper gets judged more harshly as an American-born player hmm. because it's almost like he's not doing it because he ha- is having fun or loves the game. He's doing it to be kind of a jerk oh. versus like these, these Latin players, whether they're from, like you said, whether they're from the Dominican or wherever they're from, they were born with this natural love of the game. And this is what they're doing. They're just celebrating and having fun versus Bryce Harper. Who is not, he's doing it to I showboat. See. I see. Is there a double standard there? No. Or is it just for Bryce no. Harper that there's the double standard? No, because I, I, I'm going to, I think that guys like Acuna are criticized and not and people don't say that's the way he plays because he loves the I think they call him a hot dog. I think people look at Acuna and say that's too much. Jose Bautista. Remember the Jose Bautista bat flips? Like that wasn't like the guy loves the game. It was this guy is a jerk. Well because I never felt that way. He doesn't that wasn't Jose Bautista's thing on a 24-7 basis. Ronald Acuna Jr. yes plays the game like that. All the time. Pretty much all the time. Yeah. So that's that's wherein lies the difference between a guy like Bautista and a guy like Acuna. Yeah, I just think they're personality differences. So yeah. Like Austin Riley from Mississippi I mean, he isn't playing like, that way. Aaron, Aaron Judge isn't playing that way. Um, but that's what I mean. Do we just judge Harper differently? Maybe. I, I, I didn't think of that because I don't look at Harper and say, oh my gosh, what a jerk. Because he just celebrated that home well, run. You look at every Philly and say that. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. I'm not upset that they lost. That's for darn sure. Close your ear stacks. Yeah, I know. Two of my good, good buddies, diehard Phillies fans. And we had a conversation. Honestly, I, I think it's worth having here even. You know, would you root for a team you dislike simply to see a friend or maybe even spouse happy? The answer is no. No, I mean, no. The answer is no, you would not. No, not a team you dislike. Like, right. I root for your Braves because they have, it has no sure. bearing on me. Right. But this is another conversation we had. So we're out to dinner. At, there's a bar. We're sitting at a table watching the Phillies games with your with your friends or your friend who's a big Phillies fan. And a guy at the bar is a Mets fan, and he's rooting for the Phillies. And Chris says, I can't imagine 
what world we're living in that a Mets fan would ever root for the Phillies. Right, right. And I don't think Jeff, a world a world in which that Mets fan has no clue that that world. I don't think Jeff had heard that comment, but I brought it up. I threw Chris under the bus later and was like, "No, no, no. He he is not rooting for the Phillies. In fact, he hates your team." And it was like, "What?" But I I would never root for the Red Sox. I I was okay with the Orioles because that's a team that has been harmless for a hundred years. And I was okay with the Nationals how many years ago? Three years ago now, because because it was kind of fun to watch them win without Bryce Harper. Yeah. Um, and everybody hated the Astros in that moment. So I could I could live with the Nat. But but no, generally speaking, you would never root for a division rival. I agree. No matter uh, Grandpa could be on his deathbed well, and hasn't seen his team okay, win in 50 years. You're not going to root, but you're okay with it happening. All right. Yes. All yes, right. for sure. Right. At least well, that would be my my impression. That's that's how it would roll. But I would never root for the Red Sox. I would never root for the Blue Jays. No. I, no. I mean, I but I, I do hate the Astros a lot. So it's hard for me. If it's Astros and like Phillies, it's yeah. hard for me because I don't hate the Phillies as much as you do. So I would root for the Phillies. I have a cousin we both love from Houston. Oh, hey. now now she is a a Yankees fan now, having lived in Connecticut for part of her life. But but her parents still live in Houston, and so this was something we got from so my aunt and uncle who are from Houston um at, live in Houston and at the baby shower at my baby shower on Saturday mm -hmm. she gives this should we light that on fire live on the show she gives this to a Yankees fan and I said to her and honey I'm gonna use this as kindling like I am gonna burn this thing like I don't know why and she was like what what and I'm like why would you give this to me I I hate the Astros you know what happened after she gave this to me? Mm. They got annihilated in the next two games. That's true. They, they didn't win a single home game in that ALCS. No. Isn't that wild? No. The road team won every single game that series. I texted Allie. I said, your mom sent me a pennant for the Astros at, to my baby shower. I said, and I'm I'm almost like hap happy to take credit for what that team has done since because it's been nothing but loose. <laughs> mm. And now... Dirty, difficult, and done. Sponsored by Performance Industrial. Bill Miller is the man at Performance Industrial. Love that guy. Had a chance to see him very, very briefly last week when we did the show live from Novice with a country music singer Ray Lynn in the house. Uh, and, uh, and Bill's done a great job all month long for the American Cancer Society so have uh, you. and Real Men Wear Pink. Bill's done a lot better. Well, sure. All right, Ash, this is you. You're up. This is my Dirty Difficult Done. We mentioned World Series ratings. I believe that these World Series ratings are going to be a difficult pill for Major League Baseball to swallow. That's not me saying that I don't want to want to watch this World Series. Mm -hmm. I won't see every game, but I will casually watch some of it. I just think it's amazing that if you think about this, the ratings are going to be bad. It's two small market teams. It's two teams that probably nobody thought would be here. What? Go ahead. Well, I mean, Dallas and yeah, but Phoenix are Arlington is not top. like a, I, I get it, but you're not thinking it's, it's Arlington. It's not 
But, it, Dallas, but it's but the Dallas it. metro I area. I get it. I, you know, okay. But I understand what you're saying. It's not New York, LA, and the teams that okay. Major Boston. League Baseball would prefer mm-hmm. be in this. Okay. Uh, okay. But it's amazing, and I think it's good for baseball because it should give every baseball fan of a mediocre or, and to be honest, of not very good team, hope that these things can turn around like that. First of all, the Orioles had done it, maybe not quite as quickly, but these are two teams that two years ago were in the basement by 15 plus games in their respective divisions. Mm -hmm. I mean, they combined to lose 212 games last year. Two years ago. Oh, I thought they were both 100 game losers last year. Okay. They might, well, it was 212 two years ago. So, I mean, that just tells you obviously they did it two different ways. Like Mm -hmm. the the Rangers went out and spent big money on guys like Corey Seager and Marcus Marcus Simeon. Simeon. They obviously gave Jacob DeGrom a huge contract, which Mm -hmm. he hasn't played for them. And that doesn't seem to even matter. Mm -hmm. So they've done it differently. And yet you've gotten the same result for two teams that were. Bottom of the division, 100-plus game losers, and now they're both in the World Series. So I love that for baseball because it just proves that there's – I think there's a lot more parity than people really know that there is. But I don't think the ratings are going to be good. Okay. So Sam says uh, ratings have been bad for Mm -hmm. years no matter who's playing baseball has a problem. Now, baseball, the first sentence is true. Sam's missing one word in the second sentence, which is used to – those are two words. Two words, yeah. <laughs> Baseball used to have a problem. Baseball has fixed the problem. For the most part. In a lot of ways. Yeah. And the rule changes have fixed it. It's been good. The speed of play, we call pace of play. Mm-hmm. There's more activity. In this postseason, stolen bases and batting average are way up. Way up. I mean, you're not Phillies seeing... had a Phillies had a game where they had six stolen bases. Yeah. You're not seeing one nothing games like we were used to seeing we we saw it a little bit in the wild card and early rounds of pitching heavy this has been very offensive heavy mm-hmm. the last the the ds the ends of the ds the entire basically alcs nlcs a lot of runs scored against really good pitching it has been offensive heavy it's been home runs it has not been like the other it, the last uh-huh. couple of years in terms of being pitching dominated. And I'm not here to tell you that the ratings are going to be great, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as we think they're going to be. I really don't. I, don't, I could be proven it's wrong. Amazing. Here we go. These are the last three world series are the lowest rated in history. Now the COVID year, you can say what you want. Maybe right. people weren't watching, but it was the Dodgers mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay. Okay. And we had nothing to do other than watch baseball. <laughs> then you had Atlanta and Houston. Now, and this is in order. So 2020 is the lowest rated World Series ever. Then you had Atlanta and Houston. And then last year you had a, uh, Philadelphia and Houston. Uh, major markets, mm-hmm. major television markets. And people weren't watching. And 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 Sam's point is right here. It, baseball had a problem, but they don't anymore. Or it doesn't anymore. Um, the rules have have really fixed a lot of this. People didn't want to sit down, and the NFL is going to run into this. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. People didn't want to sit down for three and a half, four hours to watch a baseball game we sit where down. nothing was happening. We sit down for nine hours on a Sunday. I know, <laughs> but that's because they're consecutively played. I know. 
the NFL is going to have a problem. Those those games oftentimes last way. I don't, and it doesn't matter how close the games are, how entertaining they are. People only have so much time to commit to a, to a sitting in front of the television. And baseball is ahead of the curve on that. Can you believe that? Baseball is ahead of the, the curve of some of the other sports in this. So it, it's been bad for a while. I don't. I really don't think it's going to be as as bad as. And and yeah, start time is. is I, an don't, issue I, don't too, dis- I don't. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Seven. Yeah. You got to start at seven. Forget, that would be nice. Forget the eight, eight fifteen, that would be whatever. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Start seven. All right. Quick time out here on Honorado and Miller. My dirty difficult done. Still to come. Uh, and the NBA. We haven't done. D- <laughs> yeah. We haven't jumped into that yet. Back right after this. Teams. Athletes. organizations we're transforming the custom apparel industry through products and purpose claim your crown you've heard of unsung heroes the men and women of Nyscoba are the unseen heroes for the past year you've learned about our many charitable endeavors now it is my privilege to share with you the work performed by our members the 20,000 state correction and law enforcement officers shielded from view. They work in difficult and dangerous conditions and are an extension of the police who protect our neighborhoods. NYSCOBA honors New York's police and firefighters and salutes its own members who help deliver a peaceful night's sleep. And now, back to Honorado and Miller. Sponsored by Alpen House. A lot to get to still on the show and not a lot of time. To do it. Uh, here's the news of the NBA that's really creating some waves. Uh, James Harden showed back up. He left the Sixers. He mm-hmm. showed back up wanting to play, I guess, or to just make the situation uncomfortable enough, maybe, that they then decide we have to trade this guy. He's in the building. That that was the Brett Favre thing with Aaron Rodgers. Favre showed up and Green Bay finally was like, we got to get rid of this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't work out the way Harden wanted to. Not yet, anyway. Sixers say, hey, great to see you. Stay here. We're going to Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, Listen, he, ugly in Philadelphia. They, yeah. I mean, they said all the right things. Nick Nurse has said he hasn't played in 10 days. We're going to keep him with the G League. We're going to yeah. get him, get his legs back under him. Yeah. Maybe we'll see him on Sunday yeah. in the home opener. No. Uh, Giannis signs a monster extension. You know, do the math on it. And your head just goes, whoa, 60 some million dollars a year. 62? Now it's part of a bigger deal. So it's not all just three for 186 but still uh he will have seasons in which he makes 60 plus million dollars um the nba salaries are insane huh? and we've got our three guys herder jackson and pickett going um never before has the capital region had th- i say that but like did it way back in the day i, I don't know maybe um this is impressive I mean, Pickett's not quite ours but yeah Right, ties. He's ours, yeah. Like, ties. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some good stuff there uh in the NBA. The uh the Kings, you know, I don't know. Can they live up to what they did last year? They're fun. They take a little bit of a step back. Yeah, they're they're we'll fun. See. Even in the opener, they were fun. Yeah. Um they they run great offense and they've got a lot of talent, and I think they're gonna force Herder to work hard for his time this year. Hmm. Uh Sam's going to see Bucks Knicks. His son is a huge Bucks fan, hmm. he told me. Um 
huge, huge Bucks fan. Interesting. And one thing here before we go to break and our Breeders' Ooh, Cup handicapper, uh, Bills will go over that. Carol yeah, asks, so. what about Jeff Hoffman? Well, NBA Great and season. Major League Baseball, and, and Hoffman pitched in a lot of postseason games um, and was pretty darn good. They went to him in some high leverage situations, and and for the most part, he performed pretty well. Yeah. So good on him because it, it's a little bit of a – a rebirth yeah, for, for him, him in a lot yep. of ways. Yep. Um, and hopefully it gets He's him. earned a contract. Yeah, it gets him a contract, hopefully. He has certainly earned a contract. All right, let's take a quick time out here on Honorado and Miller, our week eight picks still to come. And a really fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoy this with uh, Ed Skeels, who is a diehard horse racing fan at 91 years old. He's our new, he's our new handicapper. Tell some great stories. We're back in a minute. Heard of unsung heroes. The men and women of Nyscoba are the unseen heroes. For the past year, you've learned about our many charitable endeavors. Now it is my privilege to share with you the work performed by our members, the 20,000 state correction and law enforcement officers shielded from view. They work in difficult and dangerous conditions and are an extension of the police who protect our neighborhoods. Nyscoba honors New York's police and firefighters and salutes its own members who help deliver a peaceful night's sleep. Fall in love with camping all over again at Alpenhaus RV. As another season comes to a close, we look back on a summer of sunsets, late night campfires, and countless memories. Extend the excitement with a new summer retreat for you and your family. All month long, find amazing deals on new and pre-owned RVs from the nation's top brands, like this 2024 Coachman Catalina for $162 a month, or this 2024 Keystone Cougar for $387 a month. Visit us in Amsterdam or Saratoga or online at alpenhousersv.com. Alpenhaus, your total camping outfitter. And now, back to Honorado and Miller, sponsored by Alpen House. Welcome back to Honorado and Miller, and we are, we're honored to have this next guest on. Because we're about to be educated. We educated. This Ooh. is, this is perfect. <laughs> Mr. Ed, we are about to educate us on the sport of horse racing. Our next guest is Mr. Ed Rusty Skeels. You know, Mr. Ed was a horse. I know Mr. Ed oh, was a horse. Oh, yeah, and I that, remember Mr. Ed. <laughs> that was a good one, too. Uh, Mr. Skeels, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to call you our horse racing handicapper because that is indeed what you are going to do for yeah. us. But I know your horse racing knowledge and love goes back long beyond ours. The first time you ever went to a track, you were two years old. Do you remember that? No, I don't. But I do remember the fact that uh, the Nielsen Farmhouse uh, was out in Saratoga Lake, and that's where my grandmother was. And uh, the Nielsen uh, house on the battlefield was my great, great grandfather or uncle. Nobody's quite sure okay. what he was. But the, that's where we went to the track. My father took me to the track that day. I do. I, I know about it, but I don't remember it. Yeah. So we're talking the first time you were at Saratoga Racecourse somewhere around 1943, 1938? How, how about 1934? Ooh, he remembers the year. That's pretty good. Incredible. Pretty good. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, so you're going to help us out with our Breeders' Cup picks here. Uh, because as if you ever went to the racecourse with me, you would know I need as much help as I can possibly get. Well, um, let's, let's be honest about this. We all need help. When we're yeah. at the it's the gambling, right? Yeah. It, you, never, you never there. know. Fair enough. Um, 
But with Breeders' Cup next weekend, and you can see it on NBC and Peacock, there are just some really good storylines that go into this, right? Before we get the draw and before we know exactly what horses are positioned where, there are really good storylines to talk about coming out of the summer, which is always the, the meet at Saratoga. Um, and look, the Breeders' Cup Classic is the one that everybody really will kind of focus in on. So when we look at that, the jewel of the weekend in a lot of people's eyes, um, handicap that for us a little bit before knowing post positions and stuff like that. Where do you immediately go and say, this is the horse to be? Well, I think in, in that race, uh, you're going to go with uh, Jana Antonucci's horse, mm -hmm. Archangelo. And he, I think he's going to be the favorite and she trains him right up to the race instead of putting a race in between. Yeah. But she did that for the Travers. She did that for the Belmont and it worked, it worked fine. And I think it will, but Baffert's horse, uh, damn, Arabian night, for Arabian night, uh, is very quick. And sometimes the horses, you know, uh, I don't know how many entries are in that race. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be like the Derby where there's 20 horses coming from everywhere. Uh, I, I just think that, uh, the four-year-old white of burials. I think he's going to run a big race, but I, I'm stuck for some reason on Sandin. I just think this horse yeah. is sitting on a heck of a race. I really do. I mean, his last race down in New York, he just blew the field away. He just effortlessly. And I just think he's sitting on a big race, but again, you come to the fact you're running on a different track. Yeah. How are you doing with that, that, the consistency of that track. Are you that good on that track? Some horses like it. Some horses don't like it, but I would go with them three horses or them four horses and uh, put, uh, and there's another one in there. Uh, let's see. So Zandon's a little bit of a dark horse yeah. for you, would you say? Yeah. I, I kind of like, uh, there's mage too, who obviously. Oh, here it is. I got it right in front of me. I can't see uh, Saudi Saudi Crown, Brad Cox's horse. Okay. Saudi Crown's a good horse. He's tough. He runs, he runs up, and he runs his race every time he runs. That's his race. It's gonna win or it's gonna lose, but that's his race. So Ed, let me ask you, as you talk about a Chad Brown horse, of course, he's from Mechanicville, mm -hmm. Capital Region, runs I mean dominates the New York circuit yep. every single year. But when you mention names like Baffert and Cox, two trainers who are based in California. Do you care at all about horses that have to travel east to west for a yeah, weekend like this? Some yeah. horses, some horses travel fantastically. You you, you do, wouldn't even know they, they'll get off to get off the plane. They'll go the next day for a workout and they'll handle it easily. There's other horses won't. So a lot of that has to do with uh, that. And the other thing about this whole thing is. The post positions mm -hmm. a lot that, that that means an awful awful lot and also you've got the best colony of jockeys mm -hmm. i've ever seen out there you've got the best the best of the best that's it and i don't even look at the turf races uh, to me the europeans are outstanding warlike goddess just blew the field away in new york okay the other day Yet in the morning line, she's going to be 14 to one against mm -hmm. the Europeans. 
And the Europeans this year are sending over their A game, not their B game like they did last year. <laughs> so I don't, I, I would love to see Chad Brown win maybe two or three of the grass races, but I just don't think they can. Wow. I know Chad has one of your favorite horses of the weekend in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, and that's Goodnight Olive. That's seven furlongs, three-year-olds and up. Yeah. Um, why do you love her so much? I think, listen, I think a lot of this is going to be based on who is not running against her, which is going to drive her price probably down and her odds as well. Oh, absolutely. You could Echo Zulu would have won that race, period. That's it. There's no discussion. Uh, the only horse that can beat Olive is Echo Zulu. So that moves Echo Zulu to the top of the list. And she's what? Uh, I think if I remember correctly, she's like five for five, something yep. like that. Four for, I believe she's four for four. She was four for four in 2022. Um, then lost to Echo Zulu in the Valerino right. over the summer. But she ran second to Echo Zulu, right? So you have Echo Zulu is out because of mm -hmm. the leg injury. Yep. And this has got to move Olive up. Yeah. And but again, you know, you again the horse chip from here out there. So you know, hopefully, hopefully the workouts are good. Yep. That's a big thing about that. And. The, the Europeans, I don't blame the Europeans coming over. You're talking $4 million in that classic yeah. in a mile and a half. That's a lot of money to, to be money. doing out. And, the, and, and as, the one race that I do like a little bit is the, uh, the idiomatic. I don't think yeah. anybody can beat idiomatic. I really I don't. Yeah, this horse, cup this, this, I think this horse is just totally, totally outstanding. And I mean... That horse won seven of eight races just this year alone. Yeah, I I I just don't see. see. And on the two-year-olds, on the, I liked Locked, uh, uh, Pletcher's horse, and I like Muth, Patrick's horse. Okay. I like them both. I think they both got their, but I I sort of lean a little bit towards Muth because it's a local horse and it's running on that track. But I like, and I, I just like horse racing. I'm not a big better. I just love horse racing. I love to see it, but I'm, I'm not like my daughter. My daughter, she, she goes to the racetracks and bring a book. <laughs> so you don't study the program? <laughs> no, she, she, she doesn't buy the program. She just brings a book and just goes to the track oh, and reads. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> picks, uh, let me, so picks based on like the name or the color or something. That's how, that's how I do it sometimes. Oh, uh, well, I see. I can't tell you on this talk show how my wife used to pick a horse yeah. <laughs> uh, in a different way. Hang on. I've heard this story. I think you can tell it. I think it's clean enough. If I remember this correctly, if a horse pooped right uh -oh. before the race, yeah. she would pick that horse because These she'd say it's ready to go. She would pick that horse and then one night we were at the harness track. Yeah. I always remember this. And they had never had nine horses in a race. They had nine horses this night. Horse was from Texas. And my wife wants to bet $2 on it to win. So uh, I went in the back. I didn't bet it. I had horse didn't have a chance, right? Paid $108. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had to come up with $108. Oh, had to shell it out of your own wallet. Right. I was going to say, you can't say you didn't bet it. You just have to pretend like you did. Here's my 108 bucks. Yeah, that was, that was, that was it. And uh, I, 
I, I just love going there. Like this year we went to the force our day room mm-hmm. and we had a great time here. And actually surprisingly enough, we won one month, actually won money. Uh, Patty won quite a bit. And, uh, we, I think I had three triples that day. Well, they're all getting your advice. Of was, course they're winning. I was going to say, it must be, it must be, uh, it's in the genetics. They're getting their, uh, horse racing knowledge and, and, uh, mojo from you. No, I, well, my daughter, Patty is a good handicapper. She really mm-hmm. is. Uh, and Kathy's not uh, the greatest. At handicapping. <laughs> we won't hold it against her. We won't hold no, it against her. No, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I, we used to go, oh, when I got out of, when I came back from Korea, which was 1953, uh, about 1955, I believe it was, we used to take my vacation just in August. And there was one day I had my oldest daughter with me at the track. And uh, I had been up to, we had a camp in Lake Luzerne, all right? And I had been teaching her to swim uh, at the lake. And uh, all I can remember is the horse was swim to me. And the horse won. And she ran around telling everybody we were rich now. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way it goes, right? Sometimes oh, it's the, it's the fluky things or the, the good storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, uh, one last one from us before we, we let you go here. Speaking of storylines, Cody's Wish yep. captured the hearts of America. And I think a lot of people were let down and a little sad when he lost last year uh, at or this past summer at Saratoga in the Whitney but he's running again. He's going in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. What right. do you think of him? Does he 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 bounced back to winning the Bosberg not that long ago? Do you think he he runs a big race and gets back in the winner's circle to repeat Absolutely. In this race? Absolutely. Yeah. I think in in all honesty, of all the horses in training right now, in their individual things like the mile, the seven furlongs, and the distaff, and so on, he's the best horse in training right now. Yeah. That's my opinion. And I think that he will blow. I th- actually think he'll blow that field away. Mm. And that's saying a lot because you've got potentially, I know we don't know the entries yet, but potentially a horse like Mage, National Treasure, yep. Charge It. Those are all potential contenders um, and yes. possibles in that race. So that's saying a lot. You know what I wish they would add to horse racing betting? This is way out there and it'll never happen. But in every single game, I can bet how many the Lakers are going to win by. It what a what a great feature it would be to you say Cody Cody's wish is going to blow this field away. I wish you could bet Cody's wish like by eight lengths, five, four five lengths or six lengths. Yeah, that that's it. You know the other thing that I I I don't like entries at racetracks because you're going to get a good horse and you're going to get a bad horse, and then all of a sudden the odds are down every horse should be against the other horse regardless mm-hmm. but uh i just love racing i'd say oh i'll say hey this afternoon uh, for a quick thing before you let, let me go i'm sitting in a den and i got the tv on my father always called my mother jake okay that was her nickname horse running at finger lakes dancing with jake right mm-hmm. I just turned the TV on, so I just happened to see it as the race was going off. Dancing with Jake paid forty-eight dollars. 
this afternoon. But I, I had just turned it on just now. So sometimes you get the, you get lucky and, and sometimes you don't get lucky. But uh, as long as you keep it under control, you're all right. Well, you mentioned your time in Korea. Uh, we know that you served and, and we thank you thank for you. that. And you were a, a very good athlete in your own right. I heard you played volleyball for the U.S. team. Can we end on that? Yeah, sure. We we got. In fact, I think I got the trophies downstairs. We won before we, we were in Japan, and we played forty seven straight games. Won forty seven straight games. Wow. Then then all of a sudden the the, the thing in Korea erupted, and we all ended up in Korea that night. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we won forty seven straight games. Well, and in fact, right. I got a, here's a here's a cute story. I have a thing in the back, all right? We played, and this was, oh, God, 100 years ago, I think. We played in, in, in the YMCA tournaments around the state, all right? Basketball, yeah. Schenectady YMCA tournaments. We won the tournament. We won the state tournament, all right? And not bragging, just just the way it happened. I was voted as the most valuable player in the tournament, right? In the article that Harry Shave wrote, he said the tall, thin, redheaded sharpshooter. I see that. I, I was just going to mention that. And they, so I showed it to my grandson, right? The article. And all he got out of the whole article was, You were thin once, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard that's why you're, a lot of your friends call you Rusty. Rusty. It was uh, the red hair, did it? A lot yeah. of his friends call him they, Red. They so. call you Red. Chris, do they call yeah. 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 And I, you know, I was trying to figure out, in fact, I think Patty asked me today, why did they call you rusty and uh, not red? Cause I was redheaded, you know, that's, but I think there was a guy on the street that was redheaded also. So that, that's why I ended up rusty. Well, listen, someone like you, who's had your service, someone with the athleticism you have, and anytime you have red hair, you're always welcome back on the show. And this horse was, racing knowledge. Yeah, we have the... this was this was great for us, and and I know our viewers too who uh, who lean heavy into horse racing. So I'd now like to take you out for day. breakfast someday, the two of you. That'd be great. Yeah. meet in person. How's that? We'd love we'd love that. Would you? Yeah. Okay. Yes, well, I'll it. go through Kathy, and we'll set it up. All right. That'd be great. Okay. Mr. Ed, not the horse, but no. the horse racing handicapper. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. This won't be the last time. It was my pleasure. I don't care what kind of stories that's been told on you. That may be a lot of things in life you used to do. carbs and 95 calories. And now, back to Honorado and Miller. Sponsored by Alpen House. That was fun with uh, Ed Skeels. Boy, does he know a lot uh, about a lot? Uh, the answer is yes. yes. We've got a lot to do before we say goodbye for the week. And now, dirty, difficult, and done. Sponsored by Performance Industrial. 
All right, Ash, we've got our week eight picks to do here still on the show, but I'm going to do my dirty, difficult done here quickly. Man, it's difficult to figure (laughs) out what is going on with the top two teams in the AFC East. I picked the Dolphins to win the division. They're on track to do that at five and two, but Miami has not beaten a team with a 500 over Miami has not beaten a team over 500 Mm -hmm. since week three of last year. Yeah. And McDaniel was quick to say, like, yeah, we get it. We haven't beaten a good team. You haven't. So they've been impressive in their Mm -hmm. victories, but who exactly are they beating? Nobody good. Nobody good. All right, let's get to our picks. How did we do last week, Ash? Um, These were our games. Uh, Chris, not so good. Not so good, Chris. not so good either. 0-4. Whoa. We're tied. 17-17. and We're both sitting at 500. Here we go. Our games this week. Jets and Giants were both on the Jets here, despite that old home dog for Big Blue. Home dog for Big Blue. Nothing to add there. Okay, no. we're moving on. Uh, no, I, I just thought to myself, did I really pick the Jets? But I must have. I don't remember. I think you did. Okay. We're both on the Jaguars here. Again, another yeah, home dog in that's... Pittsburgh. Um, Jacksonville's the better team, but Pittsburgh's a tough team. They don't. Yeah. People say well, they're not good because they don't win pretty, but they win. Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter how you win. Well, we both like Jacksonville to cover the two win. and a half number. Okay. Uh, Patriots and Dolphins. I, I'm subscribing was... to the theory that Miami is ticked off mm-hmm. and going to bounce back big time. And also, Patriots are bad. Yeah. But Miami beats bad teams. Yeah. Patriots are a bad team. Yeah. They played better last week sure. than they have Buffalo. in a while. Um, but. I wasn't sure on this one, but I wanted to be different and I wanted to try to separate myself. And I thought that you would pick the Dolphins. So I went with the Patriots just to try to get myself some separation. Bengals at the Niners. Uh, We do the show live on a Thursday. We don't know about Brock Purdy, concussion protocol. Um, And even still, if he plays, I still like Cincinnati. I think the Bengals are figuring it out. Yeah, me too. I will take the five and a half here for Cincinnati to at least keep it close. Yeah, the one thing that that is a little bit eh, is that we're playing in San Francisco. Um, mm-hmm. That could be tough. No Debo but, still. Yep, but I, I do think San Fran has some things to figure out. We talked about it earlier in the show. Okay. Uh, and the last one of the week here, this is the Sunday Nighter. What a terrible, yeah, terrible primetime game. Justin Fields questionable, um, but that's a big number a for number. me. Eight and a half. It's huge. For a Chargers team that, again, isn't good. They're not mm-hmm. good. Um, they should be much better than they are. The head coach holds them back. Give me Chicago to keep it close. Yeah, the only thing that I was hesitant on was the number, but I still just think the Chargers are a better team. Recap of the week's picks. Here it is. Too different again. It has to be better than last week. Well, it has to be. We say that, but... Last week was so bad, it has to be better. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great weekend.